Uh, we, uh, we just finished our series in relationships, uh, conflict specifically, and, and that series was really to help us love people. Uh, we're going to start another series today. You'll, you may have noticed we're, we're doing a lot more um, uh, shorter series uh, with the intention that we have new people coming in and new people joining us online. And so uh, we're kind of, you know, trying to, trying to have good places to join, join in. And so today is a good opportunity to join in as we study the book of Malachi. Well, like I said, last series was all about loving people. This series is about loving God. And then next we're going to go through the book of Jeremiah and look at the idea of reaching the world. Well, our mission here at Mount Pulaski Christian Church is loving God, loving people, and reaching the world. And so we're going through these ideas uh, or these studies to uh, understand how we can fulfill the mission of the church. You may have also caught on that uh, we're spending a lot of time in the Old Testament. Well, in 2021, I know that's a, a little ways from now, but we it can't get here soon enough, right? Um, but 2021, we're going to go through the entire New Testament. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament and 260 weekdays in a year. And so Monday to Friday every week, we'll read one chapter together. And then that Sunday, you'll hear a sermon based off of one of those five chapters or something out of those. So I'm excited for that, but I also wanted to make sure that we can study the whole Bible. And so we're spending time in the Old Testament. Well, the book of Malachi. Malachi was a prophet. Uh, we call him a minor prophet only because the book was shorter. It was likely recorded between 450 and 430 BC, so over 400 years before Jesus was born. It was, it was one of the last, um, last recordings before the New Testament, and, and so it, you'll notice in your Bible it's, it's Malachi, and then there's, um, then there's a, a space, and then the New Testament begins. It wasn't all in complete order, but that's pretty accurate. Well, anyway, Malachi is a recording of a covenantal relationship between God and between his chosen people at the time, the Israelites. And so Malachi spoke on behalf of God, and this, I really like this book because it's so conversational. Uh, you'll notice it's not all in complete order. I'm going to preach this series and try to have some kind of structure, uh, although I won't be going in, in order completely because if I'm having a conversation with one of you, and, and we talk about the chairs, and then uh, all of a sudden I get distracted and we start talking about the windows, but then we come back to the chairs a little bit later. Uh, that's how a conversation goes. We don't always just go through, uh, uh, you know, through points and stay on topic. And so that's really what this book is like. So we're going to look in this series, uh, how, how can we love God? We're gonna, today we're going to look at loving God by giving your best. Next week we're going to look at loving God by following His ways. And then last, uh, in, in, in three weeks, we'll look at loving God through trusting His goodness. I have to be honest, though. Um, even last night at about 9.45, I think I was standing up here still, uh, I was struggling. I struggled with, with what to say. Um, I had everything written and recorded probably by Thursday, um, but it just didn't feel right. I thought, I'm, I'm missing jokes or... Uh, there's not a lot of funny stories, and, and I, have to, I, like to, I like to tell jokes. I like when people laugh at my jokes. Sometimes you don't, and then I cry, but, um, but I, I like when people leave entertained, um, but I have to be honest, today is not, not that. Um, I, I, I really, I, I just, uh, you won't be entertained, 
but if you stay with me till the end, I, I think you'll hear something that will be meaningful to your life. Uh, the, the world's a challenging place right now. There are people struggling emotionally and mentally and physically and financially, and, and we, need, we need more than just uh, 15 minutes of entertainment. And so uh, today I'm going to assure you, I'm pretty confident you won't be entertained, but I think you'll hear what you need to hear. And so we're going to just jump right in to the book of Malachi. I said we're not going to be in order, but we are starting in chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, a prophecy, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? That question first has to be answered. Does God love us? He, he says that he did, and, and the, it's a rhetorical, or it's a question that he'll answer. It's a one-sided conversation uh, trying to answer the questions that we may have. I think we still might have that question. Does God really love us? And if so, how has he proven that? Well, to the Israelites, the answer is right here. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have, which means rejected. I have turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we, may, we, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, Great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. So the question, how have you loved us? He answers, he says, hey, I did this. I initiated this relationship with you, and anything that you've done has not earned being blessed people, being the chosen people. So God initiated a relationship with Israel. He really then connects with them. Verse 6, he says, A son honors his father, and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? So the relationship between a father and a son, uh, many of these people hearing likely had, had, had sons. And so they knew that a son was to honor and respect uh, and even obey their father. And then he says the um, master and slave. And, and these people knew that if a master told their slave to do something, they had to do it. There was no, there was no question. And so he's comparing. He says, if, if, if this is how your relationships work, if this is how you treat your, your, your father, if this is how you treat your master, why not me? Why not treating why, why do we not treat God with the same or even more respect? And so, after Malachi question, or answers the question of God's love, he says, all right, I chose you, I've blessed you, 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 you got it now, you know that I love you, I've, I've proven that. But then he flips the script. He says, but you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? And that's the question we're going to look at today. How have we not loved God? Where have we missed it? Chapter 1, verse 7. By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us with such offerings from our hands 
Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. And you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices. Should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. They didn't put God first. They had the offering that was needed. Uh, they had the appropriate animal that they were supposed to sacrifice. They were capable. They made the vow or the promise. And then when it came time, they didn't follow through. I think this is us at times. I think we can relate to this. Someday, uh, when I make this much money, then I'm going to give this percentage. When, when I get out of debt, then I'm going to start giving to God, maybe through the local church, maybe through other ways. Ah, it's 2021 now, and, and I'm making this pledge, and, and I really want to support the mission of the church. I want to support the kingdom. And maybe you do for a little while, and then it's like, well, it's vacations coming up. I'll, I'll, I'll pay God back later. Now, we don't, we can't think that way. We, we don't need to think in, in ways of, I have to give a certain amount uh, through the New Testament. We're supposed to give 100%. That's, that's not, it's not just about money. It's about giving our lives. We do it in all other areas of our life, but with God, it's just uh, whatever's left. Verse 80 says, try offering them to your governor. For us, try, try shorting the IRS just to see what happens. That, that would be fun. They had no concern of blessings or curses from God. And do we have that same low view of who God is? See, Malachi is pointing out that they do what they're required to do. They were required to give so much to the governor, and there was, there was consequences if they didn't. We're, we're required to pay taxes, and there's consequences if we don't. So we think, well, because that's required, I'm going to do it. But with my tithe, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, there's not really going to be a consequence, and if I don't, then it's really okay. And I just think it's our mindset. Verse 10 says, to give your best to God or close the doors. We need to give our best to God in every way or close the doors. No sacrifice would have been better than the poor, poor offerings that they made might say, you know, I say it's not, a, not just about money, and I mean that. I, I might say, well, I made it to church at least, even though I was really tired and couldn't concentrate. Or we have to stand up again. I, I understand. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's painful to do that. But we have to stand up to worship God. Uh, with the offering plates coming by. Um, do, I have any, do I have any money? Nope. Nope, not today. I left my wallet in the car. I told you this wasn't all fun. The Israelites, God's chosen people, people who are blessed and he proved over and over again, they thought 
that something was better than nothing. And they were wrong. Yeah, they, they really missed it. He says to put them first in, in words and praise and honor. Instead, they complained about worshiping him. It was such a burden to worship him. I don't like the music. I don't like this building. I don't like wearing a mask. The way we do communion, some people just choose not to come. I'm not talking about for COVID reasons. I'm, I'm talking about for preferences. To sum up this passage, the Israelites didn't give God their best. They complained about how much work it was to worship him, and then they still expected to be blessed. How's that work in our other relationships? You know, uh, we have those, those people who we're, we're friends with them. Uh, we don't hear from them for, for three years. And when we do, they need something. They, they, they need money for something. They, uh, they need support in some way. But once they get that, then they're done with you again. And I think we start to write those people off a little bit. I don't, I don't want to be asked for, for uh, support every two or three years and never, uh, hey, how are you doing? But we do that with God. They did that, and I, I think we do too. And so God responds. He basically says, you know what? I answered this question of how I've loved you, and, and I've asked you, and this relationship, this problem, it's not me, it's, it's you. The longer version sounded more like this. Chapter 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees, and I have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, the vines of your fields. I will, drop their fr- I, uh, will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. He says, give your best and see what happens. Now, this isn't a, a health and wealth and prosperity sermon that if, if you give your best or if you give 10% or 20% to the church, then everything's going to be perfect. No, it's not like that at all. This is about need, not greed. There's a big difference there. This is a relationship built on trust. Not that I'm going to read this scripture and say, well, if I give, then, then God's going to give back, and I need a little bit more right now. No, it, it doesn't work like that. This is, this is saying hey, do you trust me or not? Do you, is this relationship mean anything to you or is it just so you can get something out of it? Jesus said it like this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given, given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's not about the, the little things. There's a bigger picture here. We trust that his kingdom is bigger than ours. And so I have a couple of questions to apply this. First, how do we currently get it wrong? How do we miss it? Well, in, in 1945, World War II ended, and Joe DiMaggio came back from the war, and he wanted to go to a baseball game with his four-year-old son, who was also Joe DiMaggio. And so uh, he snuck in. They, they snuck into the fourth, uh, the mezzanine uh, up real high, and someone, someone noticed him, though. 
and then someone else, and before you know it, the whole stadium's chanting, Joe, Joe, Joe DiMaggio, Joe, Joe, Joe DiMaggio. And uh, he was a little, a little proud, but he wanted to see if his four-year-old son had, had noticed, and he did. He said, see, Daddy, they all know who I am. That was very innocent. Do we do that too? Maybe not so innocently. Do we get it wrong and think it's all about ourselves? That we get the glory? That we're doing this for ourselves? I think that's number one, how we miss it. We just, we're just selfish. I mean, it's just simple. I'm selfish. Uh, we can all be selfish at times, and that's where we get this wrong. And so how do we get it right? At the end of a C.S. Lewis letter, he wrote, When I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. Insofar as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God and instead of God, I shall be moving toward the state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but increased. This is about a relationship and a constant struggle of putting other things before God. And, and C.S. Lewis, he learned that if he would put God first, then other things would, would be better. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, just uh, giving and serving and, and uh, you know, the local church only. I'm talking about putting God first. There might be times in your life when you have to, you have to focus more on your family uh, and serving them than you do uh, a ministry team. It's not about that, but perspective. Always asking, God, what should I do for you? How would you have me handle this? And we look to the Gospels. How did Jesus take care of these people? Who did he love? So we get it right by putting God first, and everything else starts to fall into place. It's hard out there. I mentioned this earlier. It's very challenging uh, for a lot of people right now. I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people who are dealing with different kinds of struggles. It, it's tough. And, and the temptation I always have is, how can I help? And there's some good in that. I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm here to help others. But we have to always remember first to point that person to Jesus. It's, there's not a lot of people pointing others to Jesus. And the challenge is out there. We can help people. But remember, we let our good deeds shine. Let your light shine that you may praise your Father in heaven. It's not for us. It's for him. In 1726, a guy said it like this. Now, 300 years ago almost, he said, To love God wholeheartedly, we must be convinced that our only happiness is in him alone. We cannot believe this until we renounce all other efforts at happiness. If we look to God to supply half our happiness, we can only love him with half our hearts. It's just a mindset. Who do I love first? And I have, to, I have to really consider that. So how do we fix it? I read of a pastor who, uh, he told his congregation, you need to, uh, to love God, you need to make a commitment today. Whatever the next thing is that God asks of you, you have to say yes. Now the challenge is, you say yes today. So you don't even know what he's going to ask you, but when the time comes, you'll know. You'll know, you'll have this feeling, you'll, you'll be pushed from the Spirit uh, to 
to love this person or to mentor this person or to disciple this person or to give to this person or to serve this family. You'll, you'll know when the time comes. But when the time comes, if you wait and you have to decide then, should I do it or not? Well, then you, you might start to think, well, um, I can't help this person because uh, what about my family? Or I can't give to this person because then I'm going to short myself. And, um, and, and so we'll, we'll come up with excuses. And what we're really doing is trusting our, our logic. But he says, no, make the commitment now. Say yes now. When the time comes, then you do it. That's how we put, love, uh, we put God first. We make the commitment to trust him no matter what. It's hard to watch people mess up. Uh, how hard is it to watch your kids mess up and, and, and to watch people mess up and possibly ruin their lives? We want to teach, but we want to be encouraging. Malachi is very encouraging. Uh, I know it doesn't sound like it fully, but he, it's because he's challenging as well. And that's where we have to be. And, and again, I come up here and I'm not going to apologize for the scriptures uh, because they are what we need to hear. And if we would just listen and, and listen and, and, and really read it and try to understand what does this mean then and what does this mean now, it starts to make sense. All Malachi is doing is crying out, get back to God's house, get back to God's word, get back to God's work, and mostly get back to God's grace. God initiated the relationship with Israel. He wanted them to come into this because he knew what, that was what was best for them. And God initiated a relationship with us. And today we get to fully, more fully understand what that looks like. Grace is like watching a little kid fail at something over and over again, at something they cannot possibly do, and stepping in just at the right time and saying, hey, I'm going to get this for you. God's people have failed at giving their best to him since the beginning of time. But God did not fail at giving his best to us. He stepped in just at the right time, and he said, hey, I'm going to take care of this for you. That's grace. That's what that means. The relationship has always started with what God has done for us. If you're here today and you're, or you're joining us online and you're feeling helpless and worthless or hopeless, there's just, there's just less of everything right now. And it feels like there's nowhere else to turn. I want you to try to consider turning to one more place. Live among the family of God. Uh, we're, we're all flawed here at Mount Pulaski Christian Church. You might not be here because of something I've said before. I, I get that. But we have a, a God who's perfect and loves us. And he sent Jesus because he wants you. He sent his son to die because he wants you. When I say that God initiated the relationship, it, it sounds like, okay, that's nice. I've initiated relationships before too because I want my relationship with someone. But I've never initiated a, relationship, uh, initiated a relationship with a person that I was willing to sacrifice my child for. He knows what's best for you, and, and he wants to draw you to him so much that he was willing to do anything to do it. That's what it means for God to send a son. He did it because he loves you. And to know, if nothing else, from today, because I know it, it, it goes to what we've done for God and how much we love him, but it did not start that way. It started with the idea that you are loved by God.
in just a moment, we're going to take communion and offering. Uh, take communion, have an opportunity to give offering. These are, these are reminders. Communion is a reminder of His initiative. This reminder, every time we take communion, we should remember, God loved me so much that He sent His Son to die for me. That's where it starts. That's where all of this starts. And that's where I know I can trust Him. Because it's not just a book that tells me, hey, you can trust God because look where he's been faithful. No, he sent his son to die for us. That's why I trust him. And because it starts there, then I read the Bible and I start to think, wow, he, he, he does have this right. If I would just listen to this and do this and, and prioritize this way, man, life would be a little different. We become part of something bigger. We give offering as a way of partnering with him. I, I have this hope. I know that God loves me. I think most of us here do. But if you don't, I want you to know that. And I'm sure there's someone that you want to know that as well. Maybe it's a, a, a friend or a family member or a coworker. You want them to know that God loves them because you watched their life and you see how, how, uh, how, much, um, how, how hopeless they might feel and, and how every day is just a struggle and I'm uh, just getting to the next day. No, it's not about just getting to the next day. We're here because God loves us and we have a, an opportunity for a fulfilling life through Jesus. It's not just getting by. And so we give back by partnering with him and trusting that he will carry us and sustain us and give us what we need to share the love with the world. Let's go and be the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the love that you've shown through Jesus. I pray that as we walk out of here, uh, number one, we remember that it started with your love for us. And because of that, I pray that we feel challenged and encouraged both to, to love you back because you know what's best. You've proven faithful, you've proven that you loved us, and you've brought us into your family. And so let us, as your children, honor you and love the world. Thank you for Jesus. That's his name we pray. Amen.